Well, again, I do want to welcome you to New Hope Chapel Sunday morning praise and worship service. I say those lines, not for those of you who are here, but for that little camera that's right before me. I have to welcome them, tell them that I miss them, tell them that I hope to see them here in the midst of all of us. We're not that far away from hug time, right? See, they don't think you're here because they don't hear you. You have to say, right. All right. The title of my sermon this morning is Seeking the Wrong Thing. My text is the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Verses 1 through 4 is my sermon. I do have Colossians 5, 3, verses 5 through 13. It's a reference. It's a, it's a referral to when we get through the sermon. But... The sermon is verses 1 through 4. You have an outline to facilitate your your following and understanding. You have the text printed for your easy reference, New King James, so we can all be on the same line, the same page, the same words, so we can understand it. I always seek the Lord's anointing on these my words, but his thoughts. So I look to Psalm 19.14. My prayer this morning is to let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen? You know, this morning, my prayer has to be, my prayer and my hope is that this sermon applies to every single person here. And I alluded to a little bit Because if it doesn't today, the fact that you're here, I believe the Lord is working with you and the time will come before you die that this will apply to you. But if you die without these verses applying to you, you will not rejoice with us in heaven. That's the reality. Uh, But I want you to be encouraged. You're here. It's no accident, trust me. And so... If you could design your life, what would success look like 10 years from now? Would it be focused on your education, a future mate, your present marriage, a house, your career, your children, ease of living, or your bank account? Thomas Burton, a Trappist monk, he once said this, People may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find once they reached the top that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. Wouldn't that be a tragedy? An entire life wasted merely because we were seeking the wrong thing. And even as Christians, the devil, the evil one, seeks to lure us into the same trap. You know, one of the most common strategies is to draw Christians into a life where they might regularly attend religious activities, but at the heart level are really living for comfort, for career, social status, and many other things that focus on self and this present world. And if we are not careful, we are tempted to live a comfortable Christianity that somehow clears our conscience while not truly living for eternity. 
And that is what the Apostle Paul is addressing in our text, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. And that states, If then, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Amen? And so the first in your outline, I want you to consider our text, verse 1. Being raised with Christ. You know, being raised with Christ is a prerequisite for everything else that Paul is about to say. If one has been raised with Christ, if one has placed their faith in Christ, then these words, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4, apply. If a person has not been raised in Christ, then they will not be able to act on the exhortation that Paul is presenting. Being in Christ is what makes the Christ life like possible. Also note that being raised with Christ is not something that we have done for ourselves. We have not earned or achieved our salvation through good works. As we see in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, so familiar to you, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Salvation had been given to the Colossians, and just as the Father raised Christ from the dead, they too had been raised to new life. And in verse 3, Paul writes that they have died. And in verse 1, Paul tells how they have been raised. Well, this terminology somewhat is somewhat helps, is helpful to understand. To understand what has happened at salvation, it is still somewhat vague. You see, we see the same symbolism in baptism by immersion, not by infant sprinkling. When a person is lowered into the water and then raised up out of the water, this is the symbolism that Scripture provides of us dying and being raised to walk in newness of life. But practically, what does it mean? As non-believers, we were citizens and lovers of this fallen world. And because of our sinful nature, we had no other option. We functioned by the rules and priorities of this world. We were sinful. We were separated from God, self-centered. We lived for the present. We were slaves to sin. We trusted the world to meet our needs. We believed that our ways were best. We lived for the approval of others. We sought first comfort and pleasure. We were dead in our sin. And we even tried to save ourselves and justify our guilt. This was our old life. Then just as Paul wrote in Galatians 6.14 that salvation, that at salvation the world was crucified to me and I to the world. We died to the fallen world when we put our faith in Christ. Our old self died. Now where I come from, when someone is deep, is sleeping 
deeply. You might refer to them as being dead to the world. You're just saying that they're unresponsive to anything that is happening around them. That is how we are now in Christ. We are now dead to the fallen world in Christ. We now have the freedom and the power to be unresponsive to the temptations of the world. We are now alive and sensitive to the spirit of Christ who now lives in us. And as we grow in Christ in this new life, we learn to recognize his voice more clearly and to obey more completely. And before in our lostness, the scripture tells us how we were slaves to sin and how we were controlled by our sin nature. Now we're free. We have been given a new nature. While we still can sin, it is no longer a mandated way for us to live. It's like a character in a fiction movie. He dies and then wakes up in a completely different world. And in some ways, that's what's happened to us. When we put our faith in Christ, we die to all the realities of the fallen world. Then we were raised with Christ into a totally new life. Now we look the same. The world continues to look the same. But we now see it completely different because for the first time we are truly alive. And from an eternal spiritual perspective, everything has changed. Our identity has changed. Scripture tells us that we are a new creation. We have a new nature. We have been given a new name. We are now forgiven and counted righteous. We are the children of God. Those who are in Christ have already begun eternal life. You know, there will be a day when our physical bodies cease to function, but our soul and our spirit will continue on nonstop into eternity with Christ. And this new world, which we have been reborn into, has different rules. See, we no longer have to desperately meet our own needs We can rest because we know that all of our needs are met in Christ. We are holy. We don't have to sin. We are spiritually alive. We live for eternity, not for tomorrow. We are to be selfless and Christ-centered. Loving others has replaced loving self. Dying to self brings life. Mercy is better than judgment. Giving is better than receiving. Humility is better than pride. Forgiveness is better than revenge in our weakness. He is strong in our need. We find grace. Listen, all that we attain in this physical world will be lost. And all that we invest in for eternity will be gained. We have been born again and now have access to a new world. And then finishing up with verse 1, which states, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Now Paul is telling the Colossians that because they are now, have been raised with Christ and have been ushered into this new reality, they should no longer seek the things of this world. But instead, they should seek the things that are above. Their definition of success 
Their life goals, their reason for living should change since they are now children of God and citizens of heaven. They should not seek salvation in the basic principles of this fallen world. And this world believes that salvation only comes from obeying earthly laws and religious regulations. They were to turn their focus to Christ, who now sat on the right hand of God. He is, was, and will be the source of salvation. And who their hearts should seek above all other things. You know, in John 16, Jesus told his disciples that he was going to the Father and that he would send the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, verse 9, we see that Jesus ascended to heaven and was seated at the right hand of God. The Spirit's coming in Acts 2 confirmed that Jesus was now in his place at the Father's side. Jesus Sitting at the right hand of the Father has significance. This was the position of honor that Jesus had held before his incarnation. In John 17, 5, Jesus said, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father, showed that Jesus held equal honor, dignity, and authority as the Father. It was the position of the Messiah mentioned in Matthew 22, verses 41 to 45. And Ephesians 1, 19 to 21, tells us that it is even a position in the heavenlies that is far above all principality and authority and power and dominions and every name being named, not only in this world, but also in the coming age. And Hebrews 7.25 and Romans 8.34 state that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father and is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Ephesians 2, 6 and 7 tells us, verse 6, how we have been raised up and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Jesus has already prepared and reserved a seat for us with him in eternity. God has done it, verse 7, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. This is the future that we are to keep in mind even while we are living in the present. Second in your outline, consider our text, verse 2. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. You know, for the church at Colossae, their hope was laid up in heaven. Their hope was definitely not in the government where Caesar was lord or amidst the society which sought after materialism, pleasure, and pagan gods. They were the minority, the precious few. If they did not intentionally set their mind on the things above, their thoughts would be misled by the godless culture that surrounded them. In our text in the following verses, 5 through 9, 
Paul described the things below, including sexual immorality, impurity, evil desire, covetousness, anger, rage, malice, and slander. And in our text, verses 12 to 13, he described the things above, such as compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. So listen. As they turned their attentions toward the things above, these would be the characteristics that would be theirs in Christ. Their hope was in the conviction of things not yet seen, in the promises that were still yet to come, and even if they had to endure pain and suffering, it would be endured against the backdrop of eternity and the things above. You know, like the Colossians. We are constantly bombarded by the influence of the world and the below behaviors that surround us. If we do not intentionally set our minds on the things of God, we will succumb to the lies of the world. We must actively expose ourselves to the truths of God so that we may continue to walk in faith and obedience And as we grow to believe the truths from above, we will begin to turn away from the lies and the behaviors from below. Third in your outline, consider our text, verse 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Paul was reminding the Colossians and us that they have died to sin, self, and this world. Because of this, Their life and our life is now hidden with Christ in God. We see this idea of hating first in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve sinned and and because of their sin and nakedness, they try to hide from God in the Garden of Eden. And we see hiding again in the book of the Revelation, chapter 6, verses 15 and 16. And here we read, that the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, all called out to the rocks and to the hills to fall on us and hide us from the face of him who was seated on the throne. In those two situations, the hiding was motivated by the presence of God and the fear of the judgment that was being brought upon them because of their sin. But listen, Between Genesis and the Revelation, we find the cross. Jesus, bearing the sins of the world on his shoulders, was fully exposed to the judgment of God on the cross, nowhere to hide, suffering humiliation, torture, and death for our sake. And because of this, All who turn from their sin and believe in and commit to Jesus Christ are now hidden with Christ in God. Never again will we have to fear the wrath of God. When God looks upon us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. We are hidden in Christ, fully wrapped in his grace. As the old hymn says, Rock of Ages, Left for me, let me hide myself in thee. Remember, 
that we have died to this world, that we are now alive in Christ. We are hidden in him. Our physical life is visible, but all that we are in Christ, that is, a child of God, who has a reserved seed in heaven with Christ, is still hidden in Christ, not yet visible. It is at the return of Christ that all of this will be no longer hidden. It will become apparent who we are. Fourth, in your outline, consider our text, verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You know, the Colossians are hidden in Christ, but still outnumbered, ridiculed, and misjudged. But a day is coming when all will be made clear. Christ will return as the conquering Savior. In this way, we should literally be seeking the things from above with expectations. There will be a day when Christ will come. Matthew 26, 64 tells us, seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds. Philippians 2, 10 and 11 states that at the name of Jesus Every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Listen, all, all will see that Christ is Lord and it will become clear that we are his. In Romans 8.30, the Apostle Paul tells us, that we have already been glorified. It simply has not yet been revealed. Jesus has given us the glory that the Father gave him. John 17, 22 states, reveals that the full revelation of this will come when Christ appears. So we wait, trusting in God's word, walking in the Spirit, loving his people, moving towards eternity, setting our minds on the things above, knowing that one day Christ will come, the gospel will be proven true, and we will dwell in the presence of God forever. Now let us think about the words of Christ himself in Matthew 6, 19 to 21. Jesus said this, Do not lay upon yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your hearts will be also. Jesus is speaking from what he knows, what he has experienced. Only he has been fully in heaven and fully on earth. And so he speaks this truth to his listeners, calling them away from the superficiality of this present world and to the eternal value of heaven. And he calls his listeners away from storing up these superficial treasures on earth in this present age. Even the treasures that last throughout our lifetimes will ultimately be lost at death. We cannot take anything with us. Jesus is just telling us about the true reality of things. The only wise way to invest our lives is in the eternal things above. It is not possible to seek both the things above and the things below. It is a tug of war 
for our souls. And from the perspective of eternity, it is pure foolishness to cling to the things of this world which we will certainly lose. And whether we realize it or not, we are all investors. We are all investing our money, our time, and our lives in something. We won't be able to take any of these superficial treasures with us. Only the investment in eternity will last. Now, maybe early in your faith, you were focused on the things above, but now you are realizing that you have drifted away from him and have begun to pursue the ways of the world. It would be similar to a family that goes to the beach. They set out their beach chairs, umbrellas, and towels and enter the waves to play for a while. And after 30 minutes, they look towards the beach and their belongings are gone. They get worried until they realize that while they were not paying attention, the tide had gradually moved them several hundred yards down the shoreline. The things, their things, were still in the same place. It was they who had drifted. You know, many times, this is the story of our Christian lives. If we do not intentionally seek the things above on a daily basis. We look up one day, and our lives are sinful, our emotions are jaded, our minds are misguided, our hearts are apathetic, and our priorities are pursuing the success of the world. If that is you, then you can be counted among the Christians that we find in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verses 2 to 4. They were followers of Christ, But Jesus had one thing against them. They had abandoned their first love. If you are a follower of Christ but have drifted away, you can draw near again today. Will you confess your sin to God? Will you turn your mind away from the world below and once again set it on the things above? Trust God to change your heart. Allow him to loosen your hold on the things of this world and turn your heart, money, and life toward the eternal things of God. Draw near through reading your Bible and prayer. Confess your need to adjust the focus of your life to Christ and make the need of changes. Even now, let God change your perspective of what matters. Amen? Service is over, but in closing, I want us to look again to what Paul gave us to think about, our text, Colossians 3, 1 through 4. My prayer and hope is that it does apply to you. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Amen? So remember, first we die to the world, we believe in Christ, not just know him, to be raised in Christ by accepting and submitting to his Lordship. Amen.
See you next week, guys.